the Bible. It's the last book of the Old Testament. And uh, really excited about what the Lord is going to speak to us. Now, I feel the need to pray, um, so won't you pray with me? Father, you are more than we can think. You are greater than we can imagine. You are more wonderful than we can fathom. You are awesome. And we thank you, O God, for being the kind of God that you are who is with us and who is for us, who is over us and before us, who's in us and strengthens us. Lord, you are a great God. And so, Lord, we come to you knowing that you're a great God and that you hear our petitions. And just as attentive as you are to the prayers that we pray right now, you're attentive to that little girl in China who's praying just before she goes to sleep. And just as much as you're right there listening to her prayers, you're listening to ours. And so, Father, I pray for, I pray for the couple here who just decided yesterday or this week to call it quits. I pray, oh God, that as you minister to their heart through this message, that they would recognize how great you are and how able you are. Father, I also pray for that unmarried couple who called it quits and who comes back and it's a dangerous and and destructive situation. I pray that you would give them the strength to stay away from destructive people. Lord, I pray for that woman who's heard her children uh, say that they're just going to do whatever they want to do and they're not going to obey and they're just going to live the life that they want to live and I pray for those parents, that mother, that father who know the kind of pain they're getting themselves into. Lord, I pray uh, for this community uh, of believers that we would grow in our maturity. We would grow in our sensitivity to the Spirit and that we would grow in brokenness before you. Lord, we know that you are a capable and holy God. So we lay this service at your feet. We lay our lives at your feet. We put it all there knowing that you are able to hold and keep what we leave in your care. Help us, O oh God, to believe that with all things. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, as my, I, I have four kids. A lot of you know that. Um, I have four kids. I have one boy and three girls. Three girls who are, by the way, uh, my, like a year and a half apart for, from each other. So I can't wait when the oldest girl is 17 and I have all three of them as teenagers. That's going to be a blast. That's going to be, that's when I, that's when I'm really going to become like a prayer warrior, you know? That's when I'm going to be like one of those guys, right? Oh, by the way, I want to show you a picture. Look, I just want to show you a beautiful picture. Uh, Keith took it. Oh, you can hardly see it, but this, this is, remember when the snowstorm came in? You can barely see it, but it's a really beautiful picture. And it's just all the snow on top of it. And then doesn't it look like a little winter wonderland? That's just wonderful, right? You almost want to take that car out of there, right? Some of you who know how to do like the Adobe thing, take the car. I'll send you the picture and take the uh, street light out of there. It's just a perfect little postcard. It's just a really nice uh, thing. I just thought I'd show you that. Isn't that cool? Because we don't have, you know, the snow now looks all crappy and muddy and, and nasty. And so, hey, listen, if you're here for the first time, we're in a series on the book of Galatians. It is dynamic and powerful, and we are plowing through. We've been in it for something, oh gosh, 
like two, three months now. And so I'm really grateful about that series. We're taking a little break from that. Um, and we're going to, and I feel so bad because some of you, like, you, you know, you've only, you only come once in a while. And, and so, you know, and, and so it's cool. I'm glad you're here. But we're going to talk about money. <laughs> I mean, I know that you just woke up this morning and said, you know what I want to do? I want to hear a preacher talk to me about money. That's what I want. Like, I don't, I don't want this just to be an ordinary day. I want to go to church and hear a pastor talk to me about money. And so you got a couple of minutes, so you could leave if you want. But um, uh, we, we are going to talk about money because it's very, very important. Now, I got four kids. One of the things that um, with, uh, and so I just say that to, as a warning. So if you, you know, you can go to the friend that you came with. I've got to go to the bathroom. And you can leave, right? Uh, although you're lying in church. It's pretty funny. But, um. Uh, it's okay, really. Um, I have four kids. One of the things, they, now, because I have four kids, I have, you know, four different report cards to look at, four different test scores, four different homeworks, four different, right? Like, you know, you got four kids, right? Anybody here have kids, right? You know, it's just a ton of work, right? You just, you, you got the report cards, you got the, the, the homework, you've got the, you got, you know, the, and them, if you, if they're old enough, they can iron their clothes, just everything they do, right? You know, um, their, their, uh, piano performances or the dance recitals or whatever it is, right? And, and by the way, expose your kids to the arts. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The, uh, let me tell you something. Christians should be the most creative people on the planet. We serve a creative God. And of course, now, uh, it, it's the most uncreative places that we're considering is the church. But really, the church should be the most creative place in the world. You know, the church is the place that gave us like Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston. Surely we can keep that tradition up. And, um, you know, create creative environments where our kids can grow. So, like, you know, so whether it's, you know, the recital or the dance thing, you know, we, one of the things that I find myself asking them or getting them involved in a conversation is this, is, I wonder if any of you do the same thing. Is that your best? I just go up to them and I go, is that your best? I mean, is that really your best? Like, you know, I can stand, I can abide by a best 60 on a test than I can by a week 85. Like, I can survive. My heart does better if you come back and the very best you've done gets you a, a grade of 70 rather than you get a 90 and a, a 70 and that's your best or a 90 and you slacking off. That's just the way I'm wired. That's just the way I am. I'm, I'm like that with me. I'm certainly like that because I, I don't want my kids to be the kind of people who are okay with mediocre living. I believe that they have a creative God who's created them creatively and who gives them the ability to create. And in that, I believe that they are given the opportunity to do their best. And I know, and by the way, this is a, a mantra that I serve with um, all of my kids. They can finish this sentence if, um, if, if they wanted to. And here's the mantra. I say, um, you know, the habits that you develop now will bless you. Somebody finish this off. The habits that you develop now will bless you or curse you as, as in the future. The habits that you now develop will either be in the future a blessing to you or in the future a curse to you. Some of you wouldn't even argue that. Some of you can go, oh wow, I started to hang out with really the wrong crowd, the wrong friends at a young age. And I'm an old age and I'm still hanging out with the right. Your experience bears this out. Is that not true? 
So my, my thing is that when I go to my kids, I go, is this your best? Is this the very best that you can do? And so, and, and then, you know, of course, after a while, they live with me. They know me. They go, yes, because they know that I can abide by, you know, uh, the best, 80, uh, best 60 than a, a mediocre 80. And so, and then I start asking, well, how is this your best? And I ask them questions about their study habits and how, how, you know, did you work hard for this? And what did you do a little bit better this time than you did for the last test in order to prove, you know, that this is your best? And so we have conversations like that. But as a parent, I know that if they get into the habit of humdrum, ho-hum, average, mediocre living, I know, I know that their whole lives is going to be spent settling. Settling on the person that they date with. Settling on the job that they get. Settling on the friends that they hang out with. Settling with the place that they're going to live in. Settling. They're just going to settle for stuff. And I want, as a good father, I want the very best for them. I want the, I want them to live an extraordinary life. I don't want them to be plateaued or ordinary. I want them to live an extraordinary life. And you would think, well, of course you do. You're their father. You love them. I don't, watch this, and I love your kids, but if your kids live an ordinary life, I'm okay with that. Isn't that true? Like, you know, you, I, know you love your, I know you love my kids, but isn't it true if they live an ordinary life, it doesn't affect you that much, right? But watch this, your kids, you really don't want them to just live an ordinary, superficial Life, you really want the very best. You want them, you believe the best for them. Anybody remember the commercial? I'd have had it up if I'd have thought about it sooner. Anybody remember the commercial of the um, older gentleman coming up to the, uh, he's like, you know, he's obviously like a blue collar worker. And he goes up to the cradle of his son and he says, "Uh, son, you're going to be better than me. You're going to be, you know, and he tells them how great, you know, you're going to, you're going to go farther. You're going to do better in education. You're going to do all that other stuff. And then, you know, the commercial fast forwards around 25 years. And then it's the same looking man, but it's not quite the same guy. And he's over the same crib saying, you're going to do better than me. And then the father walks in the room and he goes, son, come on, it's time to go to work. Right. Do you remember that commercial? It's a great commercial. Oh, man. I'm, I'm like, uh, I, okay. it was a great commercial. And what it was was that the father had wished better for his son, but in fact, the son just left on the same level as he did. Every parent, even if you're a bad parent, want the best for your kids. Every parent wants to see their kids do a little bit better. Something that um, I have a, a, a best friend. Uh, whose name's Ray, and, and we talk, and, and early on in our Christian walk, we, you know, well, actually, before we were Christians, we had kids, and, but when we, when we came to Christ, we said this, and this was pretty powerful, we said, we want our children to stand on our shoulders. Isn't that a cool phrase? We want them to stand on our shoulders. In other words, we want to have laid the foundation. We want to have laid a, a, a groundwork so that they can, they can do a little bit better. So education is a little bit easier for them. So that they can, you know, excel in different things. Because every parent wants the best for their kids. And not, every, not only does every parent want the best for their kids, every parent wants to see the best in their kids. It's true. Now, that's not only true for me and my family and you and your family and us and, um, as a congregation. But you know what? That's true for God. God wants the very best for his children. 
He wants the very best. When it comes, when it comes to you, God wants you to live to the zenith of your potential, to the highest of your potential. God is not satisfied with your mediocre living. God wants you to live to the fullest of your potential. Watch this. God would not have given you, God never gives leftover potential. Never. Like um, I'm, I'm reading about, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to buy a house, right? And some of you know this. I was homeless for two years as I served this church and just, you know, I wouldn't trade it. You know, I wouldn't ask for it again, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. And, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to give God any ideas. You know, I don't want to be homeless again. But, um, but it was a real good learning experience for me, right? And so, and so what, what happened is, you know, um, God made a way. He opened some incredible doors and did some miracles. And so now we're looking to hopefully be able to buy a house. If we can just get the gas line in, everything, <laughs> gas line. That's the kind of house we're buying. It's like, you know, it's got like, you know, it's like the little pig's house. You know, it's like sticks and, you know, hoping the gas line comes in. Okay. Like, you don't, you don't even think about the gas, right? You just turn on your stove. Yeah, we're working for two weeks to try to get the gas line in this stupid house. And so, you know, we're hoping the roof doesn't cave in. Well, but I'm, I'm looking at and, and I'm buying also not buying. I'm um, renting from the library because I'm not stupid. I'm going to the library and I'm opening uh, and I'm getting a lot of books and DVDs on how to. And so they, they were t- explaining to me how to do a roof, you know, and because I'm probably going to have to do a roof and <laughs> some of you are probably going to have to do it with me. <laughs> We're gonna, you know, oh, counseling on Monday. Oh, I'm working on the roof. I can counsel you while we work on the roof. And so, you know, it'll probably look a lot like that. And so, um, you know, uh, that, that's probably what it's going to look like. But, but, but the deal is, is that they say, is, hey, listen, when you buy the stuff that you need for the roof, like shingles and paper and, you know, the, the underlayment and all that other stuff, when you buy the stuff, make sure you buy 15% more than you need. You buy 15% more than you need. And the reason that you buy it, because you never know. And it's just like this excess. And then if you, if you do the job perfectly, you, you, you have that 15% more. God has not given here anybody 15% more than what he wants from you. God does not give excess potential. He doesn't give excess talent. He doesn't give excess uh, greatness. God doesn't say, well, you know, uh, you, 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 can get, you can get A's, but I'll, I'll let you settle with B's. God doesn't do that. God gives you everything he gives you so that you could use it for his glory, for his honor, and for his name. God is super focused on his glory. Isn't that interesting? Didn't you think that God was super focused on you and your happiness? It's just not true. It's just not true. I'm glad you came to church so I could explain that to you. Because I know that, you know, because I know we, we go to, we, we watch uh, TV and we listen to radio and we hear so-called Christian people manipulate and do all sorts of disgusting things and say, if you just buy this handkerchief for forty nine ninety five, you will, you know, we'll, we'll send it to your house. And I'll be honest with you, if you buy my handkerchiefs for forty nine ninety five, thank you. But you ain't getting nothing in return. Like, you, you lose out, right? And I'll give you a handkerchief for forty nine ninety five, but I'm not promising much, right? And so better write on the yellow cards. You'll be better off. Now, here's my point. My point is, I have no point. I just lost it. No, um, my point is, my point is that God does not give you excess excellence. He requ- everything that he requires of you, he's given you. He's given you. And so God is really passionate about this. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And this is important. 
God is passionate about this in every area of your life. In every area of your life, God is passionate about you giving, being, doing your very best. And this is no less true than in the area of finances. Now, at this point, this is where people tune out. And, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that was a funny story. And, oh, you're kidding, you know. But this is where you start, you know, you go like this. I wonder how many squares or uh, uh, rectangles. One, two, three. You know, you start counting rectangles. You start trying to entertain your mind so you don't have to, because this is the part of the sermon where it gets icky and like, oh, gosh, we're going to talk about money. I just want you to know, just so you know, pay no attention to the screaming child in the background. We're not abusing them, really, much. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> Some of your kids are off the hook. They need a little Popeye every now and again. Okay, no, seriously. Um, uh, when it comes to finances, God is very, very, very serious about you giving your very best. And it's not for you, and it's not for the reasons that you think, but it's for His glory, and it's for your pleasure. It's for His glory and for your pleasure. Now, the problem is, in America, this is a big deal. The problem is, if I came up to every one of you and said, hey, God wants you to give your very best. You go, but I can't. I'm so poor. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want everybody in this room, within the sound of my voice, including when I was homeless and did not have a, I mean, I had, honestly, everything, literally, everything that I'm wearing now is given to me, with the exception of the shoes and the watch. That's it. Like, I mean, and, you know, maybe the undergarments, but, like, the stuff, as far as the stuff that you could see, um, certainly the undergarments were new. But as far as you can see, this is all given to me. This shirt was given to me. This belt was given to me. These pants were given to me. So this is not like, this is not like some fat cat preacher telling you so I can buy a better Cadillac, okay? Honestly, really. <laughs> you picked the wrong church, and if that's your defense, weak defense. The dude was homeless. You know, uh, you know if there are better ways to make money, you know, just so you know. And so what I do want to say is that it's tough to convince you that you, sitting in your seat, rich. You're rich. Like you're crazy rich. Like you're ridiculously rich. Let me give you a statistic. If you live in America, no kidding. This is a true statistic. Google statistic. Google this if you like. If you are at the poverty, like if you're living on welfare, you are in the top 6% richest people in the world. 94% of the world goes, wow, they are pimping in style. They're like, 94% of the world, right, looks at your little run-down food stamp, and it's not even food stamp anymore, show how old I am, food card. What do they call them now? Uh, What was it? EBT, right? They look at your little EBT card with your busted picture on it and while you're buying your groceries, right? And they look at that, right? And they go, Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! These guys got it going on. And here's what you would go. Watch this. Here's, let, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Watch, watch this. Who here, when they got up in the morning before they left their house, went to a bathroom that was actually inside the place they slept? Raise your hand. You are better than 94% of the people in this world. Indoor plumbing is a luxury that America knows. It's, it's a luxury of the West. Who here got on a, watch this, 
who here got on a device other than a drum or a smokestack and communicated to people who were farther away than they could yell to tell them what they're going to do for lunch this week? Raise your hand. Okay. Who here did that with devices that actually stay at your side with no wires on them? Go, raise your hand. You're rich! You're rich! That's incredible! Are you telling me that you talk to people who are far distances away from you with electronic devices that don't need to be plugged in, and you just pick them up, and, and some of you just go, call Susan, right? And it goes through? That's amazing. That's a, that's a you know, let me tell you something. If you've ever, let me, let me, let me give you a, if you ever wondered, which one should I keep up? Should I keep my cell phone going or should I keep my house phone going? That's a rich people problem. Just so you know. Just so you know. If you ever, if you ever wondered, am I going to take my car to work today or should I take the bus? That's a rich people problem. If your kid ever came up to you and said, Ma, I don't like what you cooked. Can you make me? Or Dad, I don't like, can we go to the store and buy? If your kid ever did that and you even considered it at all, that's a rich person problem. The rest of the world knows nothing of more multiple meals in a day. The rest of the world knows nothing about that. The rest of the world has no clue about eating more than once a day. Very few of them know once a day. The rest of the world, it would be, okay, if within the last month, you went into a building and ordered a food that you did not cook with your hands or buy and asked them, and they brought it out to you in less than three minutes, that's a rich person issue. The whole world, listen, if you ask the whole world and people who have never heard of America or never heard of television and never heard of phones and never heard of internet and never heard of any of these things and you go and they go up to you and and a lady from a third world country comes up to you and says, "Um, so what did you eat? Uh, uh, you know, yesterday, and let's say, for instance, you were in the airport. Oh, uh, you know, what did you cook yesterday? What did your mom cook? She goes, well, we didn't, she didn't cook. She was, you know, she was kind of tired, so we ordered pizza, right? She goes, what? Your mother hires a professional chef to cook food for all of you just when she's a little tired? It's a marvel, unheard of. You and I have Okay, who here, okay, who here went to the closet, right, opened the door and saw a closet full of clothes and said, I just don't know what to wear. (laughs) Who here did that? That's crazy. That's a rich people problem. That's a rich people problem. That's, let me tell you something. That is not a problem that 94% of the people in the world have to deal with. It's just not a problem that 94% of the people and the problems that you and I have. See, here's the deal, though. Here's the thing. This is the kicker. The kicker is this, that you are surrounded in America's culture. We're surrounded by really smart telemarketers or marketing people in general. Not necessarily telephone marketers, but video marketers. And here's their job. Their job is to make you 
unsatisfied with what you have. In, okay. Who here has ever had a product, whether something you can hold in your hand or something you open up and put cold, you know, food that you want to stay cold in, right? And it didn't break, but you actually switched it for something that worked just the same, only newer. Who here has ever done that? Like, you know, your phone, it works just fine. And you went in, and there's nothing wrong with the phone. It works beautifully. But you, watch this. If you've ever upgraded anything, a car, a phone, a refrigerator, anything, and it was still working? Like, it actually still worked. Like, you would go to a person in a third world country, and you go, yeah, you know, I'm going to get a new one. He goes, wow, what's wrong with it? Well, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just the new one has little sparkly things on it. I just love the little sparkly things. They would go, wait, 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 but surely it gets you a longer range. Well, no, no, it doesn't get me a longer range. Well, surely it, it, it calls people that you couldn't. Well, no, not really. See, that's a rich people problem. That's a rich people problem. And we're so used to hearing people tell us how bad it would just be so. Listen, watch. Watch car commercials. You know why you're seeing more car commercials now? Because everybody knows you're getting your tax credit back. And so they're smart. They're going, now your car works just fine. And they're saying, you know what? You need not only this vehicle that gets you around and around, what you really need, and this will really make you happy, if it had a moonroof. If the seats warmed up before you got in the car, that would be luxury. This is rich people problems. So when you hear me start talking about money, I'm talking biblically where the Bible says, you know, provoke the rich to give. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. I'm trying to provoke the rich to give. You are rich. If, let me tell you, if you have money inside a leather case or a big honking bag where you have almost everything that you world, like women have in their bag, they can live in there almost, right? If you have, you know what that's called? That's called extra money. You don't even, if I got down to it and I said, so what are you going to use this for? You would go, I don't know. It's just my extra money. You, would, you, would, you don't even have a desi- designated place for the stuff that's in your pocket. If right now I asked you to empty out, whether it's change or whether, you know, whether it jingles or whether it folds, that's not money. If you lost it today, you wouldn't be that bad. You wouldn't be that bad off. So the Bible tells uh, us that we should, as pastors, provoke the rich to give. So that's what I'm going to do today. Let's get to it. Malachi. Chapter 1. That's a long introduction because some of y'all were fighting me in your head. I know, I know. You were like, Kung Fu, talk about money. No. Get out of here. Don't talk about money. Okay. Malachi, chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Now, here's the good news. Um, We gave out what we call sermon maps. This is so you can follow along with us. uh, I'm going to ask you to write some stuff down on these sermon maps. I want you to just go ahead and do that. 
Here, I'm just going to read this all the way through. Now, as I read this, you should know this. You should know this. All right, raise your hand if you don't have a sermon map. Gee whiz, we should know. Okay, there's one person over here. Raise your hand. There's another person over here. Um, who else? Keep your hands up so they can see where you are. Go ahead. Down here, this le- lovely lady with the brown hat. Um, anybody else doesn't have any sermon maps? These are, okay, great. Okay, it should be in your bulletin. Or maybe not. No, actually, maybe not. We, we should have just given it to you. Okay. All right. Now, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi has the final word. Malachi is talking to a people who are unbelievably religious and not in love with Jesus. Is that possible? If you've been here for the Galatians series, you have an easy answer for that. Of course it is. Of course it's easy to be religious and not love Jesus. Now, Malachi is going to talk about, he's going to talk about really funky things. We're going to read in this place. You have to understand, Malachi is speaking the language of the people in that day. And so what happened is there's this temple sacrifice, and we've talked about this before. And, and what, what happens is, is that once a year you come and you bring your, 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 your agricultural stuff, whether it's wheat or doves or a lamb or whatever, and you give your very best unto God, and that's what they called a tithe. Now, 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 a tithe is a little bit easier nowadays because we get, you know, foldable things called money. And then, you know, it's easy. It's just 10%. Tithe is like 10%, right? And so you were, the, the point was is that you were supposed to bring it your best and you would bring it into the, the temple and God would be glorified and he would be worshipped and he would be famed. And it was incredible. Now, as I read this to you and you heard it read already... It's really, I'm just going to read it to you and then I'm just going to sum it up for you and then we're going to talk about how it practically um, gets played out. Okay, Um, verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, here it goes. A son honors his, now by the way, this is God speaking through the prophet Malachi. Interesting, Malachi's name literally means my messenger. You ever wonder if God has you in his mind, even down to the name you're going to have? He does. He named Malachi. Malachi gave that thought to Malachi's mom or dad long before Malachi ever opened up his mouth to be God's messenger. Isn't that powerful? God has you in mind. It's powerful. Uh, A son honors his father and a servant his master. And this is God speaking, you know, through Malachi, but it's it's God's words. Um, If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my sake. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You, you, uh, you place defiled food on my altar. Look up at me. Okay, so what we have is God going to the people of Israel and he says, listen, listen, if I'm your dad, why do you treat me like such a stepchild? Why do you treat me so badly? It's a good question. Why am I always second on your list? And then God goes, you defile my altar. Now, here's the thing. These priests were meticulous about their sacrifice, uh, their sacrificial ceremonial thing. Like there's some of us, you know, they, they would they would go religious uh, uh, observance after religious observance. They were ceremonially clean. They prepared themselves. They were meticulous about it. God wasn't talking about their outward expressions. God was talking about the heart condition. It's a big deal. 
And he says, he says, you defile my altar. The very place where you were supposed to, and this is what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to take some, uh, um, they were supposed to take the meat from these animals, and then they would burn it on the altar. And, the, and no one would eat it. It would just be a burnt, it would just be a fragrant offering. And they would say, they would say things like, this is for our king. Not that God needs food, not that God needs it, but it's just an act of worship. You give your very best to the thing that you love the most. And some of you don't have to look any farther than your rims to understand what I'm saying. You give your very best to what you love the most. This is one of the... Okay, smile, you look so serious. Okay. You place defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? This is God speaking. Blind animals. When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? And then God asks a tremendous question. He says this. Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Look up at me. So what they were supposed to do, what was supposed to happen, is that they were supposed to go into their flock. Now, now families who love Jesus, who love the Lord, what they would do is that they would go into their flocks, they would bring their kids, and they would go into their flocks, and they would go, and one kid would come and say, Papa, this is the best one. This is the best lamb. And another kid would go, no way. This is the best one. This is, look at the color. Look at the size. Look at how plump it is and look at the size and all that. And they go, no way. This is the one that's going to win the prize at the fair next month. And they would all get together. And it would be something exciting. They would get to give unto God their very best. They would get to give to God their very best. And in this opportunity, it would be a family thing. It would be worshipful as you walked it. And you go, this is not for me. This is not, I'm not giving for me. I'm not giving for my sustenance. I'm not giving for my pleasure. I'm not giving for my, I'm giving because I love God. He's glorious and wonderful and highly worthy to be praised. Just is. And so rather than doing that, what they would do is they say, don't worry about it, kids. I got it. And they would go and they would go to their, you know, herdsmen if they had one. And they would go, um... Which one's about ready to keel over and die? Which one? Well, this one's blind. It keeps on walking into trees, right? You know, this one, this one looks really sick. It's perfect. Give me that one. Oh, we're going to give our very best. We give, you know, nothing like giving our very best. And they would come and they would offer and everybody would go, wow, look at what a religious person this is. Look at what a sincere, devoted follower of God this is. Crazy, right? Like, nutty. Verse 9. Now implore, now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? This is just a didactic uh, tactic. God is using, like, questions and answers and going back and forth. And he goes, so what happens is they bring this, you know, this defiled, this blind, this, this, this sheep, you know, and like, you know, while they're walking into the temple, the sheep, like, you know, the lamb will fall over 
And they'll go, they'll go, no, no, no. You gotta stay alive for just a few more miles. We gotta get you. Just stay alive for a few more miles. And then when they give this, they would go, God, be gracious to me. Help me with my job. Help me with my finances. Help me with my stuff. Help me to buy my kid that third TV and that fourth Xbox or that, you know, you know, help me, God. Just nuts. I need those shoes, that 15th pair of shoes or I'm not whole. I tell you, this would be hysterical if it wasn't so tragic. Oh, that one of you, listen to this, this is, this is, this is shocking. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. God goes, I am greater than this. You're you're, you're Guys, do me a favor. When you're dating that girl, do me a favor. Bring her a dead rose. Bring her a dead rose. And go, you know, I was just thinking about you all day. Couldn't get my mind off you. Here, so I've given you this. Do it before you get in the house. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Listen. Listen. Call the IRS. And tell them, you know, 33% is just a little bit too much for me. I think I'll give you six. Like, they will take everything you have. Ask Willie Nelson. They will take everything you got. Watch this. But with God, it's not even a thought. It's not even a thought. Like, sprint. Sprint. Nextel. AT&T. Have a higher priority. You know that little box that's wireless that 94% of the world doesn't know anything about? Well, I would tie this week, but we spoke a few extra minutes on the phone. And you know, we can't let them cut that off. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table. uh, um, But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, It is defiled, and of its food, it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden! And you sniff at it contemptually, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, they would go, this is such a burden. Giving unto God is such a burden. This is so difficult. This is so hard for me. Gosh, you know, what what the Bible is saying is that there's two kinds of people, right? I'm going to make you nervous because I'm going to take money out. There are two kinds of people, right? And so God says in his word, right, you and I get these, right, right, we get these, right, and, and there's a group of people who like get like, let's just count this out, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I'm going to leave this right here, right, right, so there's ten of these, right, I didn't invent this, I got this, I don't invent anything, I'm not original, I'm just a good plagiarist, so now watch this, um, and there's ten. There are some people who go to God and say, Oh my, 
God, we're in a recession and you've given us finances. And if you're not working and you get something called unemployment or welfare, if you were not working in any other place in the world other than the West, honestly, you'd die. There'd be no place to send you that welfare check. There'd be no place to send you that unemployment. There'd be no place. That just doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. We're rich. And, 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 and they look at this and they say, Oh God, by your grace, you've provided me with ten of these. And it's all yours. And this is so wonderful. I can't wait to go to church to give you one of these. Because you, you gave me ten. You gave me ten. And so I'm going to give you one. That's what ten percent is like. If not, Now watch this. Let's say these weren't singles. Let's say these were hundreds. Same people exist. Right? And they go, you know, it's a thousand. And it's, it's just, Lord, it's a blessing. It's a ble-. There are people who do that. And, and you know what? I love you. You're here in this church and you do that. And you do that. And then there are other people who go, Ah, you're kidding me! The iPad just came out! And I just, you know, I've got to, Come on, you're kidding me! Ah, all right. There. And then there are other people who go, What's the time? I'm sorry? What were you saying? When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am great. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty. And my name is to be feared among the nations. In other words, there's a group of people who says, I'm going to give this fat beautiful sheep, and then when it comes to sacrificing them, they give the sick, blind sheep. Unbelievable. So listen. There are actually people in the the time of Malachi who considered God so little that they didn't care what they gave. They just gave him his leftovers. They didn't care what they gave. They just gave him whatever they had left over. Aren't you glad we don't live in times like that? Aren't you glad that we don't live in times where people just give God their leftover, but they give God their very best? Aren't you glad that now, this day and age, in this congregation, every one of us gives our very best? Maybe not. I long, I long, I long for the day where each one of you know the blessing of giving. I just know that I long for the day where you go, I'm not going to... Listen, listen. This, this foldable paper with nice designs on it, this foldable paper is not where my security lies. My security lies in the Lord. And if it means, and if it means two phones, not three in the house, that's okay. And if it means, listen, so let me give you some stats. Let me give you some stats about, I think, I think it's bugged out. In a place where we should be so grateful, like if there's any church in the world that should be giving like crazy, it's this one. Like I just, 
I mean, some of us, I mean, I just think of the way some of us wasted our lives and gave ourselves away to things that were destructive and wanted nothing but bad for us. And, and some of us have relatives. You've seen them give it to alcohol and drugs and other things. And you just go, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And you didn't have it and you did without and you ate a Twinkie and you drank a quarter juice and you kept it moving. And it just, it's shocking to me that the people in this community are not generous. And we're not. As a church whole, this is where the rebuke comes in. We're not generous. And just so you know, just in case you want to you know, ask, well, how much do you give? I give over 22% of what I make. I am the chief giver. I'm not the chief, chief earn, wage earner in this church, but I'm the chief giver. Nobody gives more than me. And so, you know, just in case that was in your mind and just going, and then you go, and you go, oh, well, he doesn't give. He just, you know, because you know, I don't give, uh, I get paid once a month. And I'm grateful. I'm really super grateful that this church provides a livelihood for my family. And I'm grateful to be able to do what God has called me to do. And I'm just, like, elated about that. But just so you know, I give. And I try to give sacrificially. And in this church, it is shocking how few people give. Let me read you. I'm just going to show you. This is just last week's numbers. Just last week's. Not, I'm not going to pull out from last month or two years ago. Last week. Last Sunday. Here's the number of tithers that tithe last, last week. Watch this. It's the number of tithers. Okay. So, let me see if I can show you here. All right. Are we going to be able to get that up? No? The projector fell? That's fantastic. Um... Watch this. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Can everybody see this? You see this really broad, what is that, gray? See that? That represents 89% of the people in this church who didn't give tithes last Sunday. 89%. 89%. gave tithes. Now watch this. If you're here for the first time, man, I'm so glad that you're here. Like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're gonna, you're going to be able to get in on some stuff that you, cause listen to me. God does want, does not want your stuff to have you. He wants you to have your stuff. And listen to me. This is shocking. It's just last week. It's hot off the press. So that means, right, in numbers, let me see if I can get the numbers down. 17 people. We had 159 people here last Sunday. Out of those 159, 17 people gave. And I think if you look in your bulletins, it was like 2,200 last week, right? That's what came in. 2,245. Those 17 people gave $1,900. The other 142 (laughs) gave less than 400 bucks. Like a hundred, I go, like, watch this. I do that in anything. I go, I want you 17 to fight you 142. And you go, oh, the 142 are going to win easy, right? Or I want you 17 to like outdo, you know, outwork. It's, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. And I understand why. Listen, some of us, um, we got, you know, some of us came into, you know, through uh, programs like OA, AA, NACA, you know, you know, different types of anonymous programs. And it's enough in those programs to put a dollar in the basket. It's enough. And the truth is, the reason that it's enough, when you come to any one of the over 21 meetings that we host, the reason it's enough 
It's because this church is unbelievably generous. Like stupid generous. Like any business person would walk in here and say, you're retarded. You're retarded. Like, just to give you an idea, going rate, $300 an hour. $300 an hour. Here's on average what we charge groups. Not the group. The groups don't pay this. We're very gracious to them. $100 a month. That doesn't pay for their toilet paper. That doesn't pay for the toilet paper. Forget the, forget the heat that it takes to keep the place warm. Forget the electricity that it takes to light the facility. Forget the, forget the space that they use. Forget that stuff. Toilet paper. Toilet paper. But the reason that we can have these meetings downstairs is because you're generous. That's why. The 17 of you. In a different figure, look at this. Amount of tithes. 15% came in from those 17... Um, I'm sorry. 85% came in from those 17 people. 15% came in from the rest of the group. 142 people. 15%. What do we do with that, church? I just... I'm a leader in this church, right? What do I do with that? Do I shut down the meetings so we could save a little electricity? So that because we have a we have a what is it a, a bill that's coming up? I think it's like for gas, gas. I think it's like four thousand dollars. It's like it's like five thousand dollars. Five thousand. Who pays that much in gas? People who love people enough to create an environment, put up chairs, make sure that lights are on, make sure that it's an enclosed place. So people who are using and active can have a place where they're safe and they can curse at the church because we don't let them smoke outside. And we let them. And it's okay because we love them. And you don't care. don't care. What do I do with that? We need a secretary and we can't pay the gas bill. So, it looks a lot like religion to me, folks. It just looks a lot like religion. And so, let me give you three ways that the Bible speaks about giving. It's an uncomfortable message, and you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You feel uncomfortable? Imagine me when I got this <laughs> last week. Just so you know, as of tomorrow, and this is just, this is, this is like red alert time for us. This is make or break. As of tomorrow, we will be $13,600 in the hole. That means if one of you, God put on your heart for your extra money that you're saving up to buy that other car or whatever, go on that vacation or American Express. I don't know what you're doing with it, but watch this. If you right now wrote a check to us for $13,600, we would be at zero. Then we could go, yes, we're at zero. Right now, today, we got $13,600 in offerings. I think we got 2000 last week. What do you do with that? Here's the deal. I want you to feel this tension. I want you to feel this pressure. But I don't want you to feel it. And 
You know why God, and let me just give you the, the, the big picture. You know why God wanted them to give their very best every, every time? Because God was making an illustration for hundreds of years. God was saying, you see this lamb that you're bringing, the very best? There is a perfect, spotless lamb that I am going to send. And if you think it's tough giving your little lamb out of the hundreds that you got, I'm going to give you my only son. And he's going to be so everyone in the world could be blessed. And so that you could receive Jesus. So God wasn't telling you to do something that he didn't do himself. God sent Jesus. And he wants you to be reminded that it cost him something. It cost God his very best. It cost him his very best. So, here's three ways that um, the Bible teaches about giving. I'm just going to teach it to you. Because some of you, listen, some of you are listening to me at this point, And there's a few of you. Some of you are going, you know what? This is convicting. You know, Pastor, I, I just, man, I hear you. You know, I just, you know, taxes came in and I spent it all. You know, my check comes in and I spent it all. I just, you know, I hear you. I, I just, help me to do this. I'm going I'm to explain to you how. And then there are some of you who are just so upside down financially. You just messed up. You just owe American Express your whole life. And, and, and for you, I tell you that you can meet with Claudio or you can meet with Bob. And we have a, a course that we can take you through. It's called Free and Clear. And we did it once already. And it teaches you. Listen, it teaches you how to get out of debt. You're in debt? Don't bother me. I'm in debt? Don't bother you. So, and then some of you, watch this. Some of you are just like, yeah, what are you supposed to say? He's a pastor. He's a preacher. Whatever. Watch this. Just so you know. Just so you know, we can take that off the table. Don't give here. God wants you to have a generous heart. Don't give here. If that's your heart, give somewhere else. Give anywhere else. I don't care. Christian, non-Christian, I don't care. Give anywhere else. But you be generous. And so now since we've taken that off the table, maybe you can kind of hear what else we're going to say. Look at the first one. The first one is tithing. Now, God asks us to be percentage givers. We're to be percentage givers. In other words, we're to look, we're to look at how much we make. And by the way, on that line in your sermon map, you can write that down. Ty, this is one of the ways you can give. And we're percentage givers. Now, if you, watch this, if you just check the last year, because you guys are doing your taxes, just look at your charitable contribution section. If you're like the average American, you live, you give less than 3%. America spends more on cat food than they do on charity. Isn't that something? It's just outrageous. It's just outrageous. Cat food. Cat food. I mean, and I don't even like cats. So like, you know, that's like something else, right? Like, you know, cat food. All right. Let's look at this. Tithe. God gives you 10 of these. Right? He gives you 10 of these. And you go like this. Watch this. Here's what I've noticed. This is what I've noticed. I've noticed, and this is funny, I've noticed that the more of these that people get, the harder it is for them to tithe. Isn't that interesting? When it's just $10, giving $1, absolutely. I love you, Jesus. 
be glorified. Now, if it's ten, and and this is a hundred dollars, go, Jesus, I love you still. Make them hundred dollar bills. You're going to give $100 into the plate your wife or your husband will tell you, right? And you go, that's a little bit much. But to whom much is given, much is required, isn't it? And so, and so you go, Jesus, I really like you. Ugh. And then, boy, if these represent $1,000 bills, oh, I don't know. Jesus, can we go back to dating? <laughs> I don't want to be married anymore. That's what tithing is. Listen to me. It is the basic fundamental foundation in generosity. Be a tither, man. Just, I, I just long for all of NBT to be tithing um, people. I just want you all to be that. I want you to be blessed. Why do I want that? So I can drive a bigger car, don't have a car. So I can, you know, it's not it, man. You're missing it. It's not something that I want from you. It's something that I want for you. So, now God gives us that, right? And miraculously, God does more with this nine than you could have with this whole ten. I, one guy, and it's a true story, one guy got a huge sum of money, huge sum of money. Said, And he was, he was the, the, the fat sheep, blind sheep guy. You know, oh, I'm going to give this fat sheep, right? And he gave nothing. He gave absolutely nothing. I giggled when his car broke down less than a month later. I giggled. Like, forgive me for being like that. You know how, like, you get, I laughed and laughed and laughed. And you know what I know was interesting to me? The amount that it took to fix the car <laughs> was the exact amount that he said he was going to give. I just love that. <laughs> I just love that. Now, some of y'all don't love that. I love that. Now watch this. Now watch this. Some of you, listen to me. This is, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God's going to get you if you don't do this. We got Jesus. God loves us. If you've, if you've been here for the last uh, uh, few years, you know that we're big on grace. This is all the work that Jesus does, and he works it through us, and he does it in us, and all of that stuff. But here's what I'm saying. You're missing out on one of the privileges and opportunities to grow in Christ. Time. That's one. Second, um, uh, uh, oh gosh, we won't have the, all right, um, we're not going to have it on the screen, obviously. Um, the second thing is not only the tithe, but it's spirit-prompted giving. i got to do this quickly. Spirit-prompted giving. Write that down. Spirit-prompted giving. Now, spirit-prompted giving. This happened. Um, t- let, me, let me tell you what happened. I went to uh, uh, the very first. Rick was there. We went to um, uh, uh, Beyond All Limits. We went and stayed in a hotel on Rick's Miles. I remember that. We couldn't, we couldn't afford This is how poor we were. We had just started uh, the church. This church right here. By the way, you're sitting here because people sacrificed so you could sit here. And I'm going to tell you just one of the many stories. And so what happened was, this is really funny. We went over there and they said that they, were, they wanted to uh, equip one million pastors to reach one billion people. To alleviate suffering, to feed the poor, to love the, you know, the forsaken and all that other stuff. And we just like, wow, God spoke to my heart and they gave me a card like this. Right? And they said, now how much are you going to put, you know, how much are you going to dedicate to putting in there? Right? Now, before we had gone... The church that, we, you know, we, it was just a baby church, and it was less than a third than the people that are here now. We bounced. We, we were in North 5th Street. We bounced a $500 check. The whole church. You know how, like, you know how, like, when some people say they ain't got no money, 
but they really got money in the bank. And it's like, you know, when I got, when we say we got no money, we really mean we busted. Like, this is bad. Like, you know, no, no Amex, no, no visa, nothing. We tapped out, right? And so we bounced a $500 check. So I went on this trip wondering how are we going to pay? And I was going to do what I always do. I was going to empty out my credit card and pay the thing. By the way, I did that to, um, you know, continue this church going to the tune of $30,000. I didn't pay my taxes so I could pay um, the stuff for this church. Keep on, w- w- that day is gone now. I can't do that anymore. I'm homeless. <laughs> you know, I was, I'd rather not anymore. But you dig what I'm saying? Like, I can't do that anymore. We've all got to pitch in as the Spirit of God prompts us and leads us. Well, this is the deal. They told, they said, put down how much you're going to give. And they had zero to 1,000. They had 10, you know, 1,000 to 10,000. You know, so what, what were you going to give? And so God spoke to my heart and he said, Edwin, I want you to give $1,000. Double what we just bounced. Double what we just bounced. And I said, and I struggled mightily over this. And, but you know, like when God tells you to do something, you just can't say no. It's like, man, God really wants me to do it. So I'm about to put pen to paper and circle the thousand dollar offering. Okay, Jesus, you can have the thousand dollars. Here's, you know, here it is. Ah! Right? It was that, right? God spoke to my heart again and he said, did you hear one thousand? I said, ten thousand. I did this with the card. Get the hell out of here. Are you kidding me? Forgive the curse. Forgive the curse. I said, but I, I did. I said, get out of here. I threw it. I threw it. There was like 5,000 pastors all around me. And they saw one card go right in the air. I said, are you kidding me? $10,000? Like $1,000 was a stretch and it was tough. And I was like, Psh. So I remember going up to Raymond. This is hysterical. I went up to Raymond. I said, Raymond, I'm and you know, like, you know, I'm not like, out of, out of the two of us, if you know the both of us, I'm not the charismatic one, right? Like, you know, I'm a little more conservative, right? I mean, did you notice the shirt? I'm a little bit more conservative than, right? And so, and so I went up to him and I said, Ray, just, Jesus has been speaking to me and he told me to give $10,000. And, you know, I don't know how we're going to do that. The church just bounced a $500 check, all this stuff, right? Raymond goes like this. Yo, Edwin, if you do it, no kidding, he did this. If you do it, I got your back. and so he did that so he did that and so you know we i just you know what i did i finally at the end it took three days it was one of the most painful conferences in my whole life it took three days i circled the ten thousand dollars and i was hoping it was like abraham and his son like god just wanted to see that i was willing you know right and so i gave it i didn't even give it into the offering i gave it to the security guy i was like surely this guy is like gonna you know mess this up i was like hey dude here you know it was like this here catch you know (laughs) it's like one of those and they called the next week to say, thank you for donating your $10,000. How would you like to pay that? And so we went back to the rest of the church and we said, we said, so, you know, pastors are going to be developed, preachers, you know, all that stuff, right? And they gave. I was shocked. They gave. And that's when our real, the, the, our giving temperature started to go up. And, and we just, I mean, I, you know, maxed out my credit card and, and a bunch of people, you know, you know, they gave. Rick gave. Um, Fidel and uh, Nancy gave. You know, people who are not here right now, who are serving in different churches. But they gave. Watch this. That's spirit-prompted giving. That's not, that didn't affect our tithes. That didn't affect our, that's spirit-prompted giving. And sometimes God is going to do that. He's going to say, he's going to see you. He's going to allow you to see a need. 
And then he's going to say, listen, I want you to meet that need. Buy that food for that person. Now, that's not the only kind of giving you do. It's all, you know, you start out with the tithe, and then it's the spirit-prompted giving, but sometimes God will do that. Now, next, and by, oh, interestingly enough, less than a year later, less than a year later, we moved in here. Anybody know how much this building is worth? Over $10 million. Over $10 million. The land that we're on right now, if they bulldozed it, is over $10 million. Just, right? Just to, but watch this. Our church was faithful with our, isn't that interesting? Our church was faithful with our little $10,000, right? That's all we had to give. And we gave above and beyond what we had, that's for sure. And God turned thousands into millions. It's just nutty. Finally, the, um, the last kind of giving, and you won't see it up there again, um, it's sacrificial giving. Write that down. Sacrificial giving. Now, we're going to take our offering. The musicians are going to come up. Sacrificial giving is when God says cash out. God has, this has happened before, and I can't give you all the illustration, but this has happened before in my own life. It only happens very few times where God says give absolutely everything that you have, just give it away. And so, and so that happens in your life and in mine. Listen to me. This is not a message of what I want for, from you. It's a message that I what I want from you. Now, we're going to take our offering. I wanted to give the people who are leaving enough time to leave. We're going to take our offering. And I want you to feel the weight of this offering. But I don't, what I don't want you to do, listen, there are some of you here and you just were not expecting, like you were looking for Galatians 5.1. I understand. I understand. Listen, no judgment. Nobody's going to be looking around. I love you. It's a, some of you are like me. You get paid once a month. You're not going to be able to put into this offering. I totally understand that too. Um, you know, you, you get paid once every two weeks. This is not your week. And, and, and I'm, I'm down with that. I, I'm fine with that. But I'm not talking about just this service. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, listen, as I was speaking, some of you decided, you know what, I'm going to be a tithing member. And, and, and we're going to see that throughout the next coming weeks. And some of you said, the Spirit is prompting me to give a check. You know, man, that 13600 that's a lot. I'm just going to give above and beyond my tithes. I'm tithing, I'm going to give above and beyond my tithes. The Spirit is prompting me. Some of you are going to cash out, and we just praise God for all of you people. Some of you are going to walk away from this. Again, you losing if you walk away. This is not what I want from you. This is what I want for you. And it would have been a bad leadership move for me to uh, have you ignore this. So, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And then uh, we're going to ask God to move in your heart. Um, before, we, yeah, yeah, we're going to pray. That's what. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your kindness in providing all that we have. And Lord, there's such a temptation in our society to get these sheeps to get these sheeps that mean absolutely nothing. To get these sheeps 
that are blind and lame, can't walk and are sick, there's a temptation for us to give the very minimum. Father, my prayer is that you would open up the hearts of those that are here to be generous. I hope that you would convince us that we are rich and that you desire the very best from us. The very best. Lord, may we leave here saying, you want the very best of us in every area of our lives, even our finances. Help us, O oh God, to be generous. Help us, O oh God, to love you and to worship you even with our stuff. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen.